0: This year's donations might go
1: to, say, the geology department. Oh, dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really.
0: What kind of activity has turned the Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love
1: rocks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Geology Final Cast. My name is Steve. Hey, everybody. This is Chris. Hello.
0: I hope you're all
1: well. Oh, I'm Jesse. Shoot. Gosh, and and every, what I'm, is your name? No,
0: nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just come. I'm the one asking the questions. <laughs> this mystery person is so polite.
1: <laughs> I'm nice. just here to well wish. Don't worry about my name. Love it. Welcome to the geology Flannelcast, everybody.
2: Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the premier geology podcast out there on the internet. Hope everyone's having a great day. Jesse's doing all right. Steve's doing all right. I'm doing all right.
0: Yeah. That, you're, Ask for more. Yeah. You're, I do. You know, I appreciate you speaking for me, but I am in fact doing all right. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I do. I just, you can, I'm just going to mute myself. <laughs> Chris will carry on from here on out. What if he just, uh, Chris loses his mind and he just starts talking in our voices, just as all three of us, <laughs> himself, and the two of us? That'll
2: probably happen in two weeks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we we in log storm. in, we, we connect to the, the call and he's just talking to himself. <laughs> no- nothing's recording. Mike's yeah. not even
1: plugged in. I-, I hope I'm in a British accent. That's all I say. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Like Ron Weasley or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: Anyways, we got a uh, <laughs> action-packed topic for today. We always have an action-packed topic, but this one is more action-packed than other topics. Um, this one, we're gonna do. We're doing kind of a general overview on Alaska geology. So, number one, uh, well, first thing I want to say is shout out to a uh, friend of the podcast, Garrison. This was uh, this was his idea, Garrison um we uh suggested the topic he's a patreon subscriber and uh if you become a topaz tier patreon you get to pick your own topic so here is garrison's topic garrison is a big fan of alaska and alaska geology he from what he told us it sounds like he took the trip of a lifetime a couple years back going out to alaska checking it out and uh liked it so much he requested a geology flannel cast topic all about Alaska so here we go i hope we don't disappoint today carson
0: really <laughs> lots I'm, on the line right now yeah we're we're, we're going to sort of touch the surface on a lot of it i feel like we'll it's, go, go, go below the surface for a couple ooh, things yeah <laughs> but it's 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 a big state some would say the biggest including myself <laughs> uh <clears throat> uh some including cartographers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> including the, the people in the know would say it's the biggest state so there's a lot going on but so we'll, we'll yeah. try and try and give you a broad brush here
2: yeah hit the uh hit some of the bigger topics there but it, yeah, he's just, yeah we're gonna right. play
0: the we're gonna play the hits if you will <laughs> now
2: we're like a top 40 station here you know yeah it's, it's top this 40. is
0: casey case oh that's pretty good that was,
2: that was actually a pretty good radio yeah, voice
0: Top, top 40, uh, yeah, smooth jazz station, I feel like. <laughs> Some obscure hits.
1: BP with GM?
0: Hey, buddy. Chris is really wishing he would do our voices, <laughs> mute us. <laughs>
2: well, to start it off, let's start off with that geology, the geology greatest hits right now. Track number one, Tectonics. Ooh, I've heard of that track before. So, um. All right, let's let's uh, let's start off. We're going to do the big general picture of Alaska, and then we'll kind of narrow it down for some some bigger geologic items here. Uh, all right, so what's the deal with Alaska? Um, so Alaska is pretty tectonically active. It's located, um, southern Alaska is on the Pacific Ring of Fire. So I got a question for you guys. I've been Wait, wondering ha- this.
1: Hang on. Southern Alaska?
2: Yeah, like the whole the,
1: the like the, the whole the, southern yeah, ring. The
2: northern part isn't on the ring of fire. It's right.
1: No, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: Whole,
0: it makes the turn. The ring yeah. makes the turn in Alaska.
1: Yes, that that's that's what I just wanted to drive home that like, it, yes, it starts like southern yeah. Alaska, like almost where it's meeting the continental United States all the way around to those Aleutian Islands the Hosea, Lucian islands
0: uh, right but yeah yeah i was i was gonna say the same it's not just like juno it goes all the way up the but yes you are technically correct which i suppose is the best type of correct nice. <laughs> i appreciate that i have
2: everybody's stamp of approval on that one
0: <laughs> So that's how we do this right by committee yes. we all decide if we're correct
2: yeah um so should, what are those the committee rules they called something? Rule, uh, the uh,
0: Robert's rules,
2: Robert's rules. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's <laughs> well, uh, take a vote to, and second to adjourn today. All <laughs> right. So let's let's move on, but a very important question. When did the term ring of fire come about? Ooh. And did Johnny Cash's song come before or after the geologic oh. term ring of fire?
0: Whoa. Whoa. So I'm going to... And
2: I just might have ruined... That might have been a giant spoiler alert for Jesse at the very end of the podcast today with his song. He's going to take us
0: out. (laughs) It's going to be in there. Um, I'm going to say it's like the 50s or 60s, right? When we start mapping up all the earthquakes and you can see the plate boundaries and you see the Pacific, you have that big ring. But the The ring of
2: fire... Earthquakes
0: and volcanoes, volcanoes, I guess. But... It's, you don't need gotta, to have
2: tectonics to map out the volcanoes. Well, we're going to we're going to see what the Google.
0: Has. All right. You answer. So what do so you, think? you not what have you the answer? answer? You're just asked. I don't have the answer. I don't. Oh, it's come just, on. This, this, I just came I, up right now. I was and on then, the edge of my seat. When did Johnny Cash sing Ring of Fire?
2: Oh, Johnny Cash. Must have, that must have been like the 60s, right?
0: Johnny Cash. That was. Um, oh, great question. In 1963 was when he popularized it. So does that mean he wasn't the first? Oh, it was written by June Carter Cash and Merle Kilgore and Johnny sang it in 1963. But the Ring of Fire, huh? The etymology of it was first coined.
2: I'm not seeing anything about when, it's start, when people started using the term ring of fire.
0: No, it's just always time in memoria. What came first, plate tectonics or the ring of fire? Ooh. Oh,
2: goodness. The, these are the real questions that nobody's asking. Jeez, <laughs> uh, the ring of fire is 25,000 miles
0: long. Wow. It's,
2: uh, all right. I don't want to waste any more podcast time here. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, this is what people tune in for, to see us. You hear us clacking away trying to solve this mystery. Just, I mean, how many
2: I always, whenever I talk about the Ring of Fire, I always want to know when this term came about. And is it related to, well, uh, fun facts. Ah, okay. I'm not going to waste any more time about that. I think the geologic term, my opinion is the geologic term came about before Johnny Cash saw.
1: I I believe so as well, but I don't have any sort of facts to back that up.
2: Yeah, I think we'll just leave it at that there. All right. So
0: it's not not really a ring
1: either.
2: Yeah, the bottom part kind of fell out, huh? The
0: horseshoe of fire. It should
2: be called the horseshoe of (laughs) fire (laughs) is right.
1: Doesn't have the same ring to it, if you will. Um.
2: So there's a lot of earthquakes in Alaska. Um more earthquakes than the other 49 states combined. Take yeah. back California.
1: I think you're all
0: yeah.
2: special with your earthquakes. Alaska's got you beat.
1: Yeah. And considering Oklahoma. Yeah.
2: Oklahoma, the new, I guess the new lower 48 king. Huh? Yeah.
0: yeah. If only there was an explanation for that.
1: Nope. It's a mystery.
2: <laughs> Magic. so uh we're going to talk about some faults uh associated with alaska there and there are a bunch of big faults uh but we're going to talk about two specific faults well we're gonna actually talk about more than that we're gonna talk about a handful of faults um the first one we're going to talk about is uh the queen charlotte transform fault and um southeastern alaska uh, so it's a right lateral strike slip fault and it runs ro- roughly generally speaking like a north south direction maybe northwest probably you want to get um uh you know real specific about it but it's at the, like it's
1: just real quick a right <laughs> lateral strike slip fault means like if you're standing on one side and you're looking at the other side that's moving it's moving to the right
2: Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what side of the fault you're standing on. The exactly. Side. They, yeah. the, the two, the two plates are grinding up against each other. No crust is being destroyed. Nothing's being created.
1: Yeah. And that, that always took me, it, it took me a little bit of time to recognize, like, what do you mean? No matter what side you're standing on. And it, it, you're right. It doesn't matter what side you're standing on. Unless, you're standing you're right, on the
2: unless it's a left lateral
1: fault, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So no matter what, if you're if you're standing on the Pacific Ocean side or you're standing on the continental United States side, no matter what, that plate is moving to the right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there you go. Carry on. Uh, all
2: right. So this fault, like I said, it's a it's a strike slip fault. It's roughly running. Yeah, ish north-south direction. Uh, from southeast Alaska, it runs parallel. Then it goes off the coast a little bit off the Pacific coast uh, of uh, the west coast of Canada. All right, and it goes northward up to the Aleutian Trench. Now, the Aleutian Trench is going to be what we're going to call a megathrust fault, and we have lots of subduction going on along the Aleutian Trench. So here's where I'm going to spit out some, oh, by the way, we're going to come back to this Queen Charlotte transform fault a little bit later in the uh, discussion about tectonics of Alaska, but you got to talk about the Aleutian Trench when you're talking about Alaskan tectonics. This is, this is pretty cool. The Aleutian Trench is 4,000 kilometers long. That's a, that's a nice chunk of real estate right there. So we have subduction, Going on up, we got uh, looks like f- friend of the podcast Frank solved our question about the Ring of Fire here. Whoa, eighteen seventy eight ring the the geologic term ring ring of fire. Came that blows up. Johnny
1: Cash out of the water.
2: Yeah, that that so this thing was well developed. That this is. Huh. This is probably the highlight of the podcast right here, ladies and gentlemen. we have yes.
1: been, been searching for years for this. Kudos <laughs> kudos to Frank. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Wow. Yeah, the,
0: the ring of fire in the volcanic peaks of the west coast of the United States. So starting out in the Pacific Northwest. Nice
1: work, buddy. Appreciate yeah, it.
2: Thanks, Frank.
0: Doing, doing Frank, the real uh, heavy lifting tonight. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, all right. So thank you, Frank. That's awesome. So there we go. Um, but that,
0: that does bring up a good
1: question. Should we just have a Patreon episode where just our Patreons do all the work?
2: <laughs> it's called every episode. No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but carry on.
2: All right. Um, so the Aleutian Trench is 4,000 kilometers long. Um, kind of a little fun fact here. The North American plate is actually made of oceanic crust beneath the western part of the Bering Sea. And then it switches over to continental crust under the eastern part of the Bering Sea. And then you have all of all of Alaska as well. The subduction rate along the Aleutian Trench changes depending on where you're at geographically along along that that stretch of trench right there. So if you're along the eastern, the eastern part of the trench, the subduction rate's going to be. Uh, the, the Pacific crust is moving underneath uh in that uh subduction uh zone. Uh yeah, uh 5.5 centimeters a year. And that's around the area of the Gulf of Alaska. It's the easternmost part of the trench. And as you start going west, the rate of subduction gets faster and faster and faster. So that the westernmost part near um, well, it's called the Near Islands, uh that's moving at 7.8 centimeters a year. So there's, there's roughly a two centimeter a year rate difference between the Eastern side of the trench and the Western side of the trench.
1: Now that might not sound like a lot. That's a- however, the, the, how it's a
2: 50% difference between the two sides. When you think, right. about it like and that.
1: the U S and Europe are moving apart at about that rate about two centimeters a year. So, so
2: that's about how fast your fingernails grow too. Ooh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I type a lot. I feel like my fingernails might grow a little bit faster than well, that. Well, if but... you
2: bite your fingernails, they grow faster too. Really? That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's true or not, but <laughs> I'm not a,
1: pl- I'm not a plumber. So sometimes I bite my nails.
2: Yeah, there you go. Definitely not a, not a that's, you know, I just said that joke um, a couple of days ago. <laughs> um. Uh, all right. So you're going along. The west, uh, going along to the west of the Aleutian Trench, the subduction rate increases like 50 percent. That's a lot, that's a, that's pretty cool. And then, along because you have that bend with the Aleutian Trench, the subduction zone kind of changes a bit and becomes more and it becomes highly oblique. So, it's not like a head on collision, it's subducting at, at, a, at, a, at an angle. And it actually acts mostly as a right-lateral strike-slip fault at the very far western end. So it changes. Fun fact about the uh, the Aleutian the Aleutian Trench there. Another thing that happens along the Aleutian Trench is that the angle of subduction changes. So not only does the rate change, but the angle of how the Pacific Plate is getting shoved is getting subducted down into the mantle changes as well. So it's very steep to the West on the West side of the Aleutian trench. Your volcanoes are like a, a, um, 170 kilometers away from the trench. So, so like 170 kilometers behind the trench uh, north of the, of the Aleutian trench where you're getting volcanoes on the Western side of the trench. And then if you move on to the Eastern side of the trench, the volcanoes are, are further back, it's a, it's a very low angle of subduction. The volcanoes are like 420 kilometers behind. Uh, if you look at underneath the, the Cook Inlet on the eastern side of the trench there, so very, very low angle. And so your volcanoes, the distance behind, the distance on how far away from the trench your volcanoes are gonna be is dependent on the angle of subduction. So we see a lot of variation of subduction along the, uh, the trench right there. So moving on, there's a, there's a little run through on the Aleutian, the Aleutian trench right there. So let's start talking about the mountains now. So um, specifically, we're going to talk about the mountains in the, uh, the, the South central part of Alaska. All right. This is, and then we're going to get into uh, Denali, which is the, the tallest mountain in North America. So, to start talking about this, we need to talk about something called the, the yak terrain. All right. And what that is, or before we talk about that, let's go into some general uh, discussion on subduction and things that can affect your rate of subduction.
1: Before so, we talk about that, can we talk about our perfectly formatted outline ah, we have going here?
2: So you're changing the rate of uh see how can I never mind that's not gonna be a funny <laughs> joke. So just I'm shutting up and wasn't gonna oh. be funny.
1: Uh but honestly, I'd I'd like to thank our sponsor, the formatting formula, for sponsoring this podcast, the formatting formula.com, YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs. They've been our wonderful sponsor for years now. Um, I've been talking about them every single episode. You can, you know, email them with any sort of issue, problem, concern regarding your Word document and or you can just go on to their YouTube page and figure out how to do it yourself at YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your Word and document needs. Um I'd like to thank all of our listeners who have, you know, emailed them, used their services and have mentioned the geology flannel cast and or how many African elephants it would take to document this uh, word document because <laughs> they've gotten a few of those. So we appreciate it. So please check them out. Formaticformula.com. Make sure you say the geology flannel cast sent you.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Steve.
1: Sorry for interrupting, Chris. Carry on. It's all
2: right. How many uh, African elephants stacked up are going to get you to the top of Denali? Oh, <laughs> anyway, stack just something s- to think about.
1: Yeah, foot foot to back or head to tail.
2: I'm saying uh, uh if you just stack them up, standing like yeah, so mm. like foot
0: foot to head. Yeah. yeah. So the average height this is, uh, it's actually pretty easy. Yeah, <clears throat> a- right. average af- height of an African elephant is ten feet. Ten feet.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. We can do some. Keep That remember that when we start talking about Denali in a little bit, all right. Um, so I think the answer is gonna be 2000 African Elvis
1: and Denali is old Mount McKinley, correct? Yes, yeah, yes.
2: What, uh, what do we do? I don't know too much about the the name change, I guess it's more of a Denali represents more of the um,
1: that was that was in- the Alaskan in- yeah. Denali
0: is what it was called, yeah, yeah, okay. And M-
1: McKinley was uh, the president who was from Ohio. Who basically had nothing to do with Alaska? Am I correct?
0: Uh, no. I, yeah, he got shot, and then Teddy Roosevelt became president.
1: Yeah, but I don't think he had anything to do with no, no, no Alaska no. or that mount. Like he didn't climb that mountain. He didn't like they just named the mountain after him. Yeah, they're like, oh, this Mount Denali. Yeah, we're just gonna call this Mount McKinley now.
0: Yeah, it was named by because it so it was named by a. a like a prospector in the 1890s to show his support for the presidential candidate William McKinley. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yep. Yeah, and they formally accepted it in 1917. It looks like. Wow,
2: uh, there you go. More information about Alaska. Yeah. Then.
0: <laughs> Simpler times, I suppose. Well. Wow. yeah, it was. Uh, they really. Uh,
2: uh, they had some pretty low standards to to name mountains back then, huh?
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it didn't take much.
2: Yeah, when they're still um, doing the whole um, claiming the claiming the land for your country by putting a flag on it too.
0: Yeah, probably
2: just one step the, away
0: from that, you know. The didn't the a couple of years ago the the Russians took a little sub under the North Pole and dropped a little Russian flag. Nice to try and I guess, I guess it's
2: theirs. So it's does Robert's rule say anything about that?
0: Uh, no? It wasn't seconded, so it doesn't oh, pass. Motion. Uh, pass. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. And I'm, I'm sorry, have you ever seen New Jersey? Like Mount Laurel, Mount Holly, like they're barely hills.
0: Coastal plain. <laughs> I mean, Bryn, Bryn Mawr outside of Philly is, is Welsh for big hill. It's not a very big hill. <laughs> it's not.
2: No. I get. It. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. But what does make some pretty big hills? Yeah. Is this yeah. Uh, yak the Yakutat terrain? So, all right. Let's get into. Let's talk about some dynamics with uh, subduction, and then we'll jump into this Yakutat terrain because this thing's pushing up some.
0: Mountains. how do you just keep saying yak-at-at?
2: <laughs> yak-at-at. Yakutat? Yakutat. Y a k u t a t. Yakutat.
1: I yak feel attack. like I feel like it's like when a yak attacks.
2: Yak attack cool. terrain, yes. <laughs> That's like a TV
0: special on Fox from the '90s when <laughs> yaks attack.
2: <laughs> All right, so during subduction, you can get these oceanic plateaus. Kind of getting wedged into the subduction zone. An oceanic plateau is a, is a thicker part of the oceanic crust that's that's more buoyant than the surrounding oceanic crust. Um, this kind of gets stuck in the, the subduction trench, and this will start to kind of clog up your subduction. So, uh, let's see. Do you ever hear the word? This kind of reminds me of how the there's uh, with the etymology the word sabotage.
0: Ooh, no, but I love etymology.
2: It has something to do with the Dutch wooden shoes. They're called sabo or something like that, or um, look that up, uh, but with the, the name of the Dutch wooden shoes, but it has something to do with using those to, like, screw up, like, old-fashioned gears and machinery.
0: I mean, I always thought they were called clogs, but something
2: about it's called the sabo. huh. That's where the term sabotage comes. From, Interesting. I've heard. Um anyways, do... I was this can't so... wait till we
0: get uh we're gonna get some emails about this one, I feel like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just did a quick thing and it's like they're called clogs.
0: The cool. yeah. something about it called like sabo or, or like
1: the I thought
0: word? it I mean sabo comes I thought it came from saboteur, which was French, but what uh <clears throat> yeah, French, it was saboteur. Is French for bungle botch, rec, sabotage. Um, oh, here, it, it was originally used to refer to labor disputes in which workers wearing wooden shoes called sabots Sabbaths, inter- okay. Interrupted production through different means. Huh.
2: So it has nothing to do with the Dutch.
0: An incorrect account of the origin... Um, meaning the story that poor workers in the Belgian city of Liege would throw their wooden sabots into machines
2: oh so that's the incorrect one I was using
0: <laughs> but it but it does it does look like the wooden shoes the sabots yeah it was just the workers and labor disputes um <clears throat> just not the Dutch oh I guess they're I tried. It, no, no, no. It's still the wooden shoes. It's just it's not, the, shoes. It's not It's just the French. So, anyways,
2: this, uh, these oceanic plateaus. Oh, no.
1: It's sabotage. Sorry. Carry on.
2: <clears throat> little Beastie Boys reference there from the 1990s. Yeah. So, these oceanic trenches can, can get stuck in the subduction zones and it's going to kind of clog it up, sabotage it, right? Um, that's why I was thinking of that. <laughs>
0: So what it ends up happening oh, is that. Okay. <laughs>
2: That's where my mindset, but I don't have to have random etymology, like uh, uh, thoughts in my head. So <laughs> th- that terrain, it collides with the, the continent in the subduction zone, and it's going to deform your continental margin into mountains as that subduction. And the subduction is going to slow down. And because the subduction slows down, the, you're not getting any, basically, the, the fuel for volcanoes behind it. From, you're not getting any, any magma production. So you can, uh, you're gonna, it's going to lower the magma supply for the volcanic arc. And it just kind of clogs everything up. And eventually, the oceanic plate, it still wants to get pushed. It still wants to subduct and get pushed underneath that continental crust. And this isn't happening yet. It's, but it could in the future, uh, in Alaska, eventually the oceanic plate, the Pacific plate behind where, um, we're going to talk about this in a second behind where this, uh, um, oceanic plateaus kind of clogged up and stuck at the subduction zone. It can actually buckle and snap, and you can get a new subduction zone behind it. Basically the, the crust it's, it's going to try to get pushed underneath, Underneath the continental crust, if it doesn't happen there because it's all clogged up, it'll snap and cause a new subduction zone even further seaward. And then you'll get a new chain of volcanic arcs getting put, forming further out seaward. So it's almost like you'll have three sets of mountains. You'll have like the original volcanic mountains. You'll have the deformed crust, the deformed continental terrain from the oceanic plateau getting stuck underneath. And then you could potentially even get a third set of uh, mountains being the third, being the second volcanic arc. So volcanic arc, continental mountains, volcanic arc in a row. Mm -hmm. So that hasn't happened yet in Alaska, but it could in the future. So that was one, one cool thing I was reading up about there. Um, So, okay, let's get back to this Yakutat terrain. It's an oceanic plateau. It's traveled Northwest along the Pacific plate and it's in this, uh, it, it's kind of mixed up in the that southeast kind of uh, section of Alaska by Juneau. Um, uh, it's bounded by the, the Queen Charlotte uh, Fairweather Transform Fault. So we talked about the Queen Charlotte Transform Fault uh, earlier. Um, so it's bounded by there to the east, uh, the Chekat. Uh, St. Elias Thrust Fault. I don't know if I pronounced that correct. Chikach. Uh St. Elias Thrust Fault to the north. Chug- uh, Chugach.
1: Yeah. I say yeah so. um, Chugach. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's our Philly accent coming out. Chugach. What? <laughs> uh,
0: there's a lot then, of water in that plate subducting.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And then we got the Aleutian thrust Fault. That's kind of to the east of this thing. And then uh, the transition fault to the south. So there's there's a lot of faults around this around this uh, Yakutat terrain.
0: It is. It's kind of. It's it's really cool. I mean, part of the reason it it has the curve that it does is because you're near. You have the curvature of the Earth. You're near the top of the <clears throat> the world as we know it. And so you know, as it subducts, it's bending because of the curvature of the Earth. So it is, you get into some, some pretty, pretty wacky um, geometries. Like when you, when you, you know, beyond our, our sim, simple, like box models of showing, you know, one plate sinking under the other. Like here, you really have to take into account that the, the curvature of the earth and you can see that bending on the surface. Cause when, you know, when you bend, when you curve on a sphere on the flat surface, it it translates into that great arc. Curve. Yeah, the arc. That's what yeah. I was looking for. So you get you start getting into some some higher geometries, which is really neat.
2: So are you saying that you start to see these these curves because of map distortions from the the higher latitudes?
0: I I, I think it's well map distortions, but yeah, you're just looking at you know, why do the illusions bend the way? Oh yeah. 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 Is because you're,
1: yeah, it's a straight line on a sphere. Yeah. It's going to look like an arc.
2: So, uh, all right. So about 25 million years ago, the Yakutat terrain collided and wedged beneath the continental margin directly below Anchorage. Uh, so this has been going on for the last 25 million years. Uh, and there's a lot of friction going on here because that Yakutat terrain is more buoyant than the surrounding Pacific crust, hence potentially spawning some really, really gnarly earthquakes that we may or may not get into in a little bit. And uh, so that Yakutat terrain is is uh, it's it's up in there, we're in the Anchorage area, and it's moving northward at about five centimeters per year still, um, and this, the, the, the collision of the Yakutat terrain is causing the uplift of the chugach range and the St. Elias range, which are some pretty, pretty big mountain ranges up there. But the other thing too, is this Yakutat terrain shoving into Southeast Alaska, and it's kind of acting like this bulldozer and it's causing crustal blocks to rotate counterclockwise in that area, so even further north, you're getting because of that rotation, you're getting these right lateral strike slip faults for the uh, for that counterclockwise rotation. So this is one of these things that's kind of it's one thing to see, it, it's hard to kind of explain this on a podcast without any visuals at all. But if you you'd uh, if you look this up, you can see there's there's a lot of maps showing um, and even some really good YouTube videos also kind of showing how these blocks are rotating counterclockwise as a result um and that's causing like i said all these 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 transform faults and one of them is the denali transform fault that um that may or may not have something to do with uh the the mountain denali so some fun little facts about denali the mountain itself denali is 20,310 feet tall which for international fans out there it's a uh, 6,190 meters tall. It's the tallest tallest peak in North America, but it's not even among the tallest 100 mountains in the world. It's no. a tall mountain for like North American standards, but for world standards, it's not like a, it's not a super tall mountain.
0: Well, I mean, plus
1: <clears throat> still 2000 African elephants tall.
0: Yeah. Yes. And it's, isn't it? But I know. Go ahead. What are you going to say? I I don't know. I'm pulling this fun fact from my head, but isn't there something like it's the tallest mountain from base to summit or something? Ah,
2: like that? that's where I'm going. Did you read this outline?
0: <laughs> I didn't. I should have perfectly <laughs> formatted outline, my friend. Uh, is it, is it so, on? Oh, it is. Shoot, I didn't get to that page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. It's not the
2: tallest by elevation, by any, any, any stretch uh, of the imagination, but it's, it's vertical relief is very tall, all right? So to talk about vertical relief, you got to talk where, what's the elevation of the base of the mountain to the elevation of the summit of the mountain? So Denali, the base of Denali is at 2,000 feet above sea level. So that means that this mountain rises more than 18,000 feet. It's 18,000 feet of vertical relief. That is a lot. So let's compare this to Everest. The base of Everest starts at 14,000 feet. All right. And its summit is just a little bit over 29,000 feet tall. Basically, to round it off, Everest has 15,000 feet of vertical relief. So Denali has more than 3,000 feet of vertical relief, more than Everest has. So that's why Denali is it's gets its fame Cause it's got all this vertical relief going on.
0: Isn't it, isn't it like considered like a really technically challenging mountain to climb to um, thank or you. it's tough, tough to climb.
2: I have it's a cool. buddy. I have a buddy that climbed Denali. Hmm. It seems um,
0: hard. I mean, yeah, I can't believe you have a buddy. Ah, I- got him. Ayo.
1: <laughs> <Hi-yo. laughs> <laughs>
0: So he's got
2: a fun story. When he summited Denali, uh, he said he'd never do it again. He's one and done with that because it was just, uh, it was just, you're just lugging stuff up. You have your different camps or whatever, because there's a lot of acclimatization you got to go through because you do uh, all of this vertical relief. You got to, um, you got to, it's not, it's, it's it's very it's it's you gotta get used to the altitude, basically. So he's he said I think he said something that with going up and down, setting up their their different uh their different camps on the way up. Believe off the top of my head, it was he said it was the equivalent of him climbing the mountain three times, all the up and down. So all the
0: so it seems, it seems exhausting.
2: He's he said it was rather exhausting, yeah. He, but gets to the summit, right. And it was like sixty degrees, or something like fifty degrees, something like that. At the oh, uh, I
1: think there. you did tell the story before. They're like, "Put your yeah. coats on, son, because nobody's <laughs> gonna believe you're up here." Yeah, yeah, exactly,
2: off. exactly. It was like it was like stupid warm <clears throat> at the summit of Finale, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a dangerous mountain. You got to worry for avalanches and, and things like that. Um, but I, 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 there's probably you know you have to know how to traverse across glaciers. I would imagine. Um, that'll get you. Um, so Denali is a really, really tall mountain. So how did this thing form? So let's talk about the, the Denali fault. It's a right lateral transform fault, just North of the mountain itself. It arcs across British Columbia and it goes right across, right across Alaska. So right about where the mountain is, just south of where the mountain is. like I said, the mountain is just a little bit south of the, of the fault line, right near where the mountain is, the angle of orientation of the fault changes 22 degrees. Basically, the fault bends. And so what happens basically is we got so we got this, this, this block rotation going on and then the, uh, the fault orientation changes. and it basically creates this pinch point. And because of that pinch point, it pushes the mountain up. It kind of exaggerates the mountain building going on at the location of Denali. So that's why when you look at Denali, it's so, so large because I guess it has all the stress from that pinch point in the fault is pushing in that location that pushes Denali up. And so Denali is not, it's, it's one of these mountains where it's, it's prominence is it's really, it really stands out. The, the other mountains in the area are it's are, are not even close to being as tall as, as Denali is. And it all has to do with this pinch point with the fault and the stresses from that pinch point, kind of pushing everything up at the location of Denali. So you have that. And then also Denali is, is made of granite. So when it does get pushed up, it's just, It's just, it's a really, really resilient rock. So it's really, really hard to erode that material. So that's, those are basically the two reasons why um, Denali is so tall. So there you go. You got to talk about, if you're talking about the geology of Alaska. You got to talk about Denali. It's just a cool mountain. It's the largest in North America. And um little bit on the uh, got a brief 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 history of the tectonics there um, along um, along Alaska so I guess from a geologic point of view you can't you can't talk about all this tectonics and not talk about the earthquake activity along uh, along Alaska because that's the other thing that Alaska is known for is its earthquakes activity so you said, well, there's more there's more earthquake activity in Alaska than the other uh, 49 states combined. So,
1: and, yeah. And we had our largest earthquake in the United States in Alaska in uh, 1964.
2: And Strongest the second largest on Earth recorded.
1: I
0: yeah peru or chile
2: chile,
1: chile, chile. Was, was was number chile, 1 chile and then alaska and then it was uh japan japan, japan. yeah was it uh, yeah, fukushima daiichi or yeah Sunday. i think it was sunday right yeah and then indonesia but it, either way okay. the 1964 earthquake strongest earthquake ever recorded in north america struck alaska's prince william sound about 74 miles southeast of Anchorage. Uh, most of Alaska's mainland felt the magnitude 9.2 earthquake, which is huge. Jeez. Uh, yeah. It was so strong. It wobbled Seattle space needle wow. some 1,200 miles away. The earthquake wow. was so powerful. It registered in all United States except Connecticut, Rhode Island and Delaware, which is weird.
2: I wonder huh, that's weird that didn't register in Delaware. Connecticut and Rhode Island,
1: huh. That's huh. It it is weird. Yeah. Uh, and who knows in 64 maybe just their seismic. I don't think that that's too close to be in a shadow zone, right?
0: Yeah, I don't yeah, you're off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd
2: have to be yeah, that's too close to be in a shadow zone. I
1: mean, a lot of Delawares uh atlantic coastal plain um some of i I don't think connecticut though some of rhode island might be but uh, i i feel like that might just be a lack of seismographs but who knows yeah
2: um the person fell asleep that was you know missed missed the whole
0: thing (laughs) unplug the seismometer oh crap
1: Yeah, he plugged in his uh, rock tumbler instead. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. So it was uh, 5.36 p.m. March 27th, 1964. Good Friday. The earth trembled. Just as many Alaskans were sitting down to dinner. So I I have a few fun facts here. I mean, we can go into like super in-depth stuff, but... Uh, 131 people were killed during the earthquake. 119 died in tsunamis. Most were killed in tsunamis triggered by underwater landslides, not by the actual earthquake-induced tsunamis.
2: Whoa, really?
1: So you have you have the displacement that would have caused a tsunami, and and it did. But then you also have the earthquake that caused under water uh, landslides that actually caused greater tsunamis that killed more people. Hmm. Uh,
2: tsunamis are, that's a scary way to go out. That's you do not want to, you no. do not want to have to deal with the tsunami because the way I, you know, it's so you get, you get through this earthquake and and if it's, if it's, uh, you know, spawning a tsunami, it's that earthquakes, not exactly a walk in the park. You're dealing with a, a pretty big tsunami. And so, you have all this chaos around you. I'm sure that it's just, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're obviously stunned. You're, you're, um, you're kind of shocked uh, after, um, after the, after the dust settles, you know, if you manage to not get injured, even worse, if you do get injured and then the water comes in rushing at you, that's, that's not a, a good situation, but you know, it's just like, it's the one, two punch. You get two gnarly natural disasters one after another. So it's, very, very, very scary, scary, um, uh, you know, conditions, yeah.
1: And, uh, what do chenga is that what we decided the pronunciation of that town was? Yeah, Chunga. uh, 25 of the village's 76 residents drowned. Wow.
2: So, 25 of 76, yeah. 76? So,
1: basically, 25 percent. The only building that survived the wave intact a was a schoolhouse, which was built 100 feet or 30 meters above sea level. Wow. Several towns and villages were moved to safer grounds after the tsunami, which was pretty nice. Like they they took this information and moved northward or upland, I guess they should say. Uh, Seward, Valdez, uh, Gridwood, and Changa. Now get this. The tallest tsunami wave height was 219 feet. Wow. 219 feet. Um, That's a big-ass wave coming in. It is. So,
0: uh, Patreon Matty just pointed a link here about the Latoya Bay, <clears throat> which is known for uh, the, long, the largest recorded uh, tsunami not during this earthquake, an earlier one in 1958, but it, it induced a, a landslide. And so it was in like a, it was in a cove. I don't know, I think it's, it's it might be a fjord, but it's like this um, pretty enclosed uh, 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 like a cove for, let's say a fjord. Um, and it induced a, a tsunami within the bay that reached 1700 feet
1: holy cow what (laughs) it's
0: it's the the tallest recorded tsunami on record
1: and and now when just the same fjord and and we're saying like inlet or whatever like essentially that wave energy gets focused because the 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 channel is getting smaller so all that energy has nowhere to go but up
0: yeah it's it's a fjord yeah and it's it's basically there's a spit at the end of it so it's it's like it's really enclosed um uh and one of the ways i mean it, it it's a sparsely pot it's killed five people but it's really sparsely populated area so they they measure it by where the water line is like on the side of the the the, the walls of of the mm-hmm. fjord yeah, yeah, where it basically knocked trees down, seventeen hundred feet. Holy I think there was, I think there were two people who survived. They were in a boat fishing in the cove, and they rode it. I think did they end up like on the side of the cliff? <laughs> I want to say there's a story like that.
1: I don't know if it's. It might Could be you a... imagine being in a boat and then that all was... of a sudden Whoa! ending up like seventeen hundred feet later in a tree or something like? Yeah.
2: Was it a 17? Was that, was that the same one? That was, was that a different tsunami from a landslide?
0: That was the landslide, yeah. It was an earthquake that induced a landslide into the fjord.
2: Okay. Yeah, regardless.
0: There, uh, yeah, there was... I mean, it's happened in... Um, uh, uh, Norway, too, in the early... I
1: want to say in the 30s?
0: Yeah. Does that sound right? Oh that does sound right um same idea it it was sort of the inspiration for the the film the wave which wave. was about it yeah um well, it sounds
2: like we should do a commentary on that movie oh yeah it's a <laughs> good, I like it.
0: it's a good movie yeah that i don't, I don't know if, i don't know quickly but the same idea same idea yeah, 600 feet, foot waves in that one.
1: Anywho, yeah, but it says the world rang like a bell for several weeks after this earthquake. Um, sechi waves, which are slashing of water back and forth in small bodies, small bodies of water. Anything from, I don't know, I, I guess you could have a sechi wave in a bucket, <laughs> but uh. Boat harbors, swimming pools were noted as far away as Louisiana where a number of fishing boats were sunk. Like, wow. so this wasn't just like a little perturbation. Like this was enough to like sink fishing vessels that were designed for Louisiana. Like, um, and oscillations in the height of waves were reported as far away as South Africa. And South Africa from Alaska is
2: that's got to be Basically, the exact opposite the, side of the earth.
1: Exactly. <laughs> what's um
2: that, what's that called? Jesse's got that website it tells you the um the exact opposite. Oh side of the earth. yeah, what
1: that is called? that? Something
0: it's the antipode. Antipode,
1: antipode thank it. you.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the earthquake initially had a magnitude of 8.5 on the Richter scale, but the Richter scale can suck it. Uh, the moment <laughs> magnitude scale, we which often, is
0: something we often say here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the moment magnitude scale, which is much better scale of uh, measurement of seismic power, has an uh, estimate of 9.2, the second most powerful ever recorded. So uh, the energy of a magnitude five earthquake. Just, just to put it in scale, so the ag- magnitude of a magnitude five, which let's we're all well, we're yeah, we're all on the east coast here. Me, Chris, and Jesse, magnitude five would like be news. It would, it would, you know, destroy some buildings. It, 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 it would be bad.
2: I mean, hell, we had a we had a five eight in twenty eleven on the east coast, and right I don't broke know, say- broke
1: some buildings yeah. in Virginia and stuff, and
2: yeah almost got so, like the washington uh, washington monument
1: yeah that's right so um, a magnitude five uh would be like breaking uh so it, it, if you if you were to imagine a uh, magnitude five that would be like breaking a strand of spaghetti okay, okay. just like snap right okay. you get that a magnitude 9.2 would be like breaking 800,000 strands of p- spaghetti. <laughs> like, that's the difference.
0: I want to use this as our new analogy. <laughs> we
1: got <laughs> instead of African elephants. <laughs> now, is that is that cooked or uncooked spaghetti? I'm guessing that's uncooked spaghetti. Yeah. I would
2: assume it's uncooked. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is according to the USGS. So, um, you know, you, you if, if you were to take one, a strand of spaghetti and make that equivalent to a magnitude five and then you jump it up to a magnitude 9.2 you would need 800,000 strands of spaghetti i
2: want to know how many newtons it takes to break one <laughs> strand of spaghetti and just scaling this thing up
1: well if you want to look that up i i don't want to look anything up <laughs> <laughs> so the damage total about 300 million dollars in 1964 dollars
2: nobody was out uh, it was yeah it was like the only reason like it wasn't like armageddon is because
1: well that would be about 2.3 billion dollars but that uh the the last estimate all right that's I saw, a fair
2: amount of damage okay okay yeah that was <laughs> I that, that, that was
1: back. that was in 2013 too so that was that was still geez, almost nine years ago. So I'm sure that two point three billion number would go up.
2: Well, okay, what was the uh, what was the original? Three hundred
1: million in 1964.
2: Three hundred million. Okay, I'll look it up in the inflation calculator. Yep. Yeah. So I
1: mean- four out of five earthquakes that happened in the United States happened in Alaska. Take that, California. Whew. Um, okay. after but after the 1964 megathrust earthquakes, three quarters of Aleutian subduction zone ruptured in a span of eight years. So the subduction zone is yeah, like we said, you know, several thousand kilometers
2: long. Um okay, I got the number for you. Uh Jesus a lot. Uh let's see, there's thousands, millions. All right, two point seven billion. Okay. Almost two point eight billion.
0: That's uh that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. A lot of money. I mean, one of the one of the really interesting things was how it all of this energy released being released um <clears throat> basically thawed a lot of the permafrost. Really? And, yeah. Um yeah, what- a lot of ground failure. You'll see famous pictures of like i think it's a department store where like the department store ended up like sinking like 10 or 15 feet and the street is a, or the streets down 10 or 15 so they're the, offset wasn't that liquefaction uh, but i think it was i think it was the the energy because the ground is is you know you get below like 2 2 or 3 feet and it's it's permafrost and so you melt that and so it becomes squishy Yeah, it was almost like
2: you
1: you microwave the ground.
2: (laughs) I wonder if I don't know how that works for a fact, but I wonder if it has something to do with like, you know how ice melts
0: when you put pressure on it? Yeah, if had something to do with
1: we had an episode
0: about that, like ice six or something. Oh, yeah, but the ice melts, yeah, pressure solution. That's why ice skates work, right? Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So I wonder if there's something to do with like pressure associated with the earthquake melts the permafrost, and then as a result, you get liquefaction.
0: Oh, yeah, because you're compressing the P and the S. Yeah. Yeah. P waves, I guess it would be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know too much about how that
2: worked. I don't know anything so, about how that. Well, I
0: mean, but, I mean, I may be way off on that, so don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> take, take all of this
1: with a grain of spaghetti. Yeah, but the there uh, goes. aftershocks continued for weeks. Uh, some greater than magnitude six point two.
2: That's a big aftershock. Yeah. You gotta be Reports thinking of, like, come on, really? Like, I just got through this 9.2 earthquake. You give me a 6.2 aftershock right now? Come on. Yep.
1: Reports of residual water slashing the Setchi waves came from the US, the Gulf Gulf Coast, and as far away as Australia.
2: Yeah. That's uh this earthquake was a pretty big deal. Yeah. So boy, isn't it? I 9.2 is getting pretty close from what I understand is like the, the physical limit for earthquakes on earth. Like you're getting to the point after that, just like you're not going to get anything much bigger than that. Like without a giant rock slamming into earth at 50,000 miles an hour because of the, the strength of rock itself, it just can't hold up to any, any more pressure than, than something around. Yes. Around uh, that.
1: Yeah, what that was level. it? Chile, 9.6?
2: Chile was 9.6. Is
1: that 9, right? 9.5. 9, 9, 5, 5, 5, 5, yeah. 5. Jeez, oh, me. But, you know, scientists did learn a lot. <clears throat> uh, they put that knowledge to good use. They uh, started a broad earthquake monitoring system uh, to gather data from seismographs and put it to seismologists help develop earthquake resistant structures to limit future fatalities and um, uh, also confirmed that earthquake related tsunamis aren't always localized and can happen thousands of miles away from the epicenter
2: that's so. that's the big one right there yeah that's, that's the big one yeah yeah that sounds like it was a uh that's just, is the just badass earthquake.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then we have some lessons not learned. There were some towns like the town of Valdez and Changa were rebuilt on higher ground, but not everyone was prudent about rebuilding on higher ground. Uh, luxury homes were often rebuilt on areas most likely to experience earthquake damage again. <laughs> um, yeah, so. You know, it still has a good view. That that's great, but
2: <laughs> it has a great view until it doesn't have a great view. Exactly.
1: So yeah, some some good lessons learned, some not good lessons learned, but man, that earthquake was no joke. Yeah, that was uh I was at worst. the that's I was what at, the
0: old timers say about it.
1: Yeah, I was at the site of the largest earthquake recorded on the continental united states that was in idaho and you could see the throw from the fault like visibly it was like meters uh, that was pretty cool but um i can't even imagine a 9 point something that must be insane
2: yeah uh, i'm looking it up right now what the what the offset was from that um 64 earthquake um it had um, i had been a lot that was uh where was the um uh, where where was the um the focus of that earthquake
1: uh the epicenter was south of anchorage yes that's with uh, 74 miles southwest southwest southeast, southeast, southeast of anchorage
0: it was it in
1: William Sound, yeah, Prince William Sound, Prince William Sound, yes, okay,
2: which, yeah, okay, occurred in the Prince William Sound region of Alaska. Um, the epicenter is uh, uh,
0: Prince William Sound, really taking the brunt of things, also home of the 1989 Exxon Valdez, yeah, that was uh, um, running
2: around. Um, Jesus! Earthquake lasted. Do we say this already four and a half minutes?
1: Yeah, which was what an eternity <laughs> for an earthquake. Minutes?
2: Holy crap!
1: Wow. Yeah, like imagine somebody sitting behind you in your office chair and violently shaking your chair. You could probably stand that for about one to two seconds. Imagine somebody doing that to you for four and a half minutes. Like yeah. Um,
2: not uh not great. No. And just be if you're in a building, just like you know, you're hoping that thing doesn't fall down for four and a half minutes, right? <laughs> oh man. So um but, um, but yeah, once again, that whole thing was, uh, you know, this earthquake was the result of the, um, the tectonics of the, uh, well, the, uh, the Yakutat terrain kind of doing its thing, slamming into, um, to Alaska in, in this, in this area, all because so this, like we said, we got a, got a high friction zone there and it's going to, uh, that high friction came out that day in uh, 1964, yep. March of 1964.
1: But yeah, you got it. Like, you know, you build up the the rock can only handle so much stress. Yeah. D-
0: Wayne Johnson can handle all the stress.
1: Well, that's true. The stress, the stress wizard causes strain. That's how I remembered it from a uh, structure class. Stress is kind of like not really measurable. So we called it the wizard because it was like magic, but strain is actually the physical manifestation of that stress on the landscape surface. So you get like bending of roads, bending of the surface, and then eventually you, you reach a point where that, that rock can no longer take that bending and it just breaks. And that's when you get the release of all that energy in an earthquake. So, uh, that's what happened in 1964. It yeah. must
0: have been.
1: Uh, that must have been four minutes. Could you imagine four minutes of shaking like that?
0: Yeah. No thanks.
1: Yeah. Uh, we we did have a, a listener question regarding uh, earthquake magnitudes and how much it would take to essentially throw a refrigerator across your room like how many g's it would take <laughs> and I'm, I'm i'm trying to i'm trying to quickly look it up now as we're as we're talking but uh I, I i believe the answer was basically anything over an 8.0 earthquake an 8.0 earthquake could pick up a refrigerator and throw it across the room at you <laughs> And so the answer is yes you could be crushed by your refrigerator if if you had a 8.0 earthquake. Again, I yeah. I have I'll, I did I did look it up and I did write it down and I'm trying real hard to find it real quickly and I can't. So, but anyway, yeah, earthquakes, no, bueno.
2: Yeah. That's, I'll, that's
1: I'll take great. my hot, humid summers and my freezing cold winters and my, you know, mosquitoes, I guess. I don't know. So, here on the uh, East Coast.
2: So, I see the uh, Alaska's continental shelf and North American plate rose up over nine meters during the earthquake. What? Solid 27 feet there over four and a half minutes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, geez, oh, me, Yeah. So, anyways, Alaska's got some cool geology. Like I said, for this this podcast, we just we, I, you know, we we're just unfortunately we're only able to kind of skim the surface here. Um, but there's Alaska's a really really wild state, and yeah. geez, we didn't even talk about the uh, uh, the glacial stuff in in Alaska. Maybe we'll say that for the the Patreon. What? There's glaciers in Alaska? Glaciers in
0: Glaciers, Alaska, the United land States. bridge, the oil. Yeah,
2: the yeah. Brooks so.
0: Range. The...
2: Yeah, so we just, uh, we had it, We only had an hour. Jesse, so. is there
0: coal in Alaska? There is, in fact, coal in Alaska.
1: Coal 4.0.
0: Yeah, along, a lot of it crops out too uh, uh, along the coast. Yeah, you get some Cretaceous coal. There's a lot of crit- the Brooks Range which is it runs across basically north central Alaska from east to west. Um is a is a Mesozoic terrain. And that's when you get a lot of your swamps and your coals. Nice.
2: Well yeah we should uh always cover the glacial the glacial stuff in uh for the Patreon extra. So if yeah. you like uh if you like listening to the podcast um uh, uh and you wanna you want to help us out? There's a couple different ways you can help out the podcast. You become a Patreon member. Uh you have a couple different uh tiers of sponsorship. And if you become a Topaz member, we will give you your own episode. You get to pick your own episode. So um, so that's an option there. Or uh tiers start at as little as uh two dollars a month. So you gotta it's uh about Cost of a cup of coffee, less than a cup of coffee per month for the yeah, uh,
1: less than a cup of coffee. Come less on,
2: than a cup of coffee per month.
1: So, uh, um, I feel like, uh, you know, what is that artist who has those sad songs about the sad dogs and stuff? DMX, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, He does bark a lot, doesn't he? Melissa Etheridge.
1: Rest in in peace. Yeah, God rest his soul. Oh, you're
2: talking uh, I will remember. Yes. Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah Sarah
1: McLaughlin, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) For less than a cup of coffee a month, not only a day, get yourself some sticker. Stickers are two or three or whatever, but yeah.
2: So. Go check out uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Geology if you're uh, interested in helping us out that way. Or you can uh, you get some merch, get the Geology cast coffee mugs and uh, some stickers and T-shirts and fun stuff like that at So Or you can just tell some friends. It's, that's another great way if you uh, you're not able to monetarily help us out. So
1: anyways we're here yeah. but uh just, honestly circling back to dmx you know if you're a dmx fan uh do yourself a favor google dmx sings rudolph the red nose radners it oh, is i've seen that yeah, yeah it is that. awesome <laughs> you
2: know i met dmx
1: nah really
2: yeah yeah I, I met dmx when i was in high school nice he was racing he had these. it was in a parking lot of uh the Roosevelt Mall in Philadelphia.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember you told me this. Too. Yeah, yes. yeah he,
2: he had his little like uh race remote control race car. He's just kind of zooming them around. And I met X that nice. summer of 20, 2000, probably three, 2002, something like that. Anyways, rest in peace. Yeah, DMX. Thank you, Garrison. Garrison's our Patreon friend who uh. Yeah, man! Idea. It's uh, he came up with the idea for Alaskan geology. So uh, thank you so much, Garrison, for helping out the podcast and for picking such an awesome topic. We're not done yet. We're gonna we're gonna head on over to the Patreon now and uh, talk some more Alaskan geology. But um, that's pretty much it. Thanks to thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Check us. You can go check out all the uh, the social media stuff, Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. And uh send us a geology question or just send us an email in general. We love we love getting the emails. So you do. all that you can do all that stuff at geologyflowercast.com. So uh now, ladies and gentlemen, everybody's <sighs> hung out for all of the uh, the business. Everybody hangs on for this. This is this is it now.
0: I mean, we yes. know we know where we're going. It's been stuck there, it's been planted.
2: Jesse, take us home, baby.
0: Where yeah, you, where, it's gotta be really got. fire.
1: Oh, I was thinking DMX. Oh,
0: stop, I, drop. I, I almost I at the very end there I almost went with Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs>
2: stop, stop drop drop what, what, if you so shut if you him down, fire, open up, shop. If you catch fire oh. and you're too close to a volcano, you no. stop and drop and
0: Oh, yeah. They go there. It's, yeah, DMX. Stop dropping. It's That's how Rough Riders roll. It's, yeah. It is the sequel yeah. to, yeah, Ring of Fire. <laughs> they're really, you know, it's, it's basically a PSA. They're both PSAs. Yeah. Don't get too close to the Ring of Fire, but if you do, stop, drop, <laughs> shut them down, open up shop.
2: This <laughs>
0: is what I believe you should do. Nice.
2: <laughs> what about, um, which has got to be like a what, what? What good earthquake songs are there?
0: Um, shake, rattle, and roll. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> man,
1: you are on fire, buddy! Loving it.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Uh, well, thanks everybody for listening. My earth,
2: wind, and fire. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they cover all the bases, don't they? Yeah. So, all right. Thanks so much, guys, for hanging out, and we'll catch you guys next week.